morning. Today I want to start off by telling each of you that I think very highly of you. I think and I know that you each have great potential. I'm going to go ahead and use that mic. You each have great potential. Each of you are good and wise and kind and, and joyful people, beautiful. And while some of you are thinking, clearly, Pastor Rocio does not know my husband. <laughs> clearly, Pastor Rocio does not know my wife or that frustrating neighbor and co-worker in my life. But you know why I do know that you are wonderful and good and great with the potential of being so much more wise and kind? It's because scripture says that you and I were made in the image of God. And so for that reason, yes, all of us are great and good people. You, me, all of humanity are good people, made in the image of God. But then Dr. Moore, when he told me, Rocio, um, we are in a time of getting real. And so I want you to get real with your sermon. And our sermon today is our need for God. And so I started thinking, goodness, God, why do I need you? And I know that sounds like a strange question because the obvious answer is that we need God. But for the purpose of self-reflection and thought, it is good that we ask ourselves, why do we need God? At first, I thought, well, God is my companion. God is my friend. Do you remember when Jesus told the Disciples, now you know the things that I know, and so therefore you are my friend. So Jesus is our friend. He is our teacher. He is our leader. I started thinking about how we see cars with the bumper sticker, God is my co-pilot. And then the hardcore Christians put the bumper sticker that says, God is my pilot. Our need for God, yes, we need God. God is our companion, our friend. But as I prayed and meditated more of my need for God, it got more and more real, more and more desperate. The idea of living without God became more and more suffocating. Our need for God is actually a matter of life or death. As I thought of my own life and others that I've witnessed God's glory through, I realized, yes, God is our companion. Yes, God is our friend. Yes, God is our leader. But, but there's more to that. And it brought me back to the 1990s when I was a teenager and having these times of prayer with my God, with our God, and I don't know if you remember a song from Michael W. Smith that says, This is the air I breathe. You remember that song? And I realized, God, you are the air 
in my lungs. You are the air that I breathe. I cannot be without you, God, because otherwise I suffocate. And as I prayed and meditated more, God took me to the word with Ezekiel 32, 37, I'm sorry. Do you remember the valley of dry bones? God is the flesh on our dry bones. Because yes, God is our companion, our teacher, our leader. But furthermore, God is our maker. And God is our savior. We are a people of great potential. God made us in his image, and it was good. But let us not forget that we sinned. We fell from holy perfection. Although we are still good people, we fall short. This Friday, we witnessed the, the capacity, the evil capacity of humanity with the terrorist attacks in the mosque of New Zealand. How is it that we as humans can be so good, so loving, wise, kind people, and yet capable of such hate, evil, violence, and coldness? Someone wonderful reflected on this. It was the Apostle Paul. I'm going to invite us to go to Romans 7, verses 19 through 25. The Apostle Paul, this man was a good man. He surrendered his life to Christ. He was an evangelist. He gave his life for the purpose of the growth of the kingdom of God. He wrote a lot of our New Testament. And yet... He self-reflected on who he was as still a sinner. So what we are about to read are his words during that time of reflection. He wrote, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then Paul enters to this time of praise and thanksgiving. In verse 25, he says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. How fascinating. This man who was good, a man dedicated to the work of God, to evangelism, to writing, holy scripture, 
had this internal, what he called a waging war internally. He wanted to do what was good, but his flesh, and what, was he, he, what he was referring to as God's law were the teachings of Moses. See, you and I as Christians, just like Paul, we know the word of God. We know God's law. We know what is righteous and right. And yet we fall short. And Paul refers to it as an instinct, this like nature within us. He's, he calls it as an internal war. See, we are prisoners to sin in our flesh. Because when God made us, he made us good. But do you remember Adam and Eve, how the serpent convinced them? He told them, he said, God does not want you to eat from this fruit. Because God knows that you will know things, that you will be like God. And so that intrigue of power and gain and self-pleasure kicked in into humanity. So you and I have this instinct to want to have control of self-pleasure and gain. This is the real reason of why we need God. Sure, he's our companion, our friend, but furthermore, he's our maker and our savior. As long as we are on this earth, which has fallen from holy perfection, we will be dealing with this internal waging war. And so you and I are completely 100% dependent on Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, through whom we find grace and reconciliation despite our sin. We are in a time of Lent where we are called to be self-aware and we can learn and become inspired by this wonderful man, the Apostle Paul, and be aware of who we are. And maybe you are still not convinced that you and I have sinful nature. But see, one of the best tricks of the enemy of God is to water down sin. You know, we often say, oh, well, he is stressed, and so this is his way of coping. Or, no, she's young. And, and she needs to mature. Oh, no, no, we are good people. We're just in a stage. I'm not inviting us to be judgmental with each other, and I hope that after the sermon you still like me, kind of. <laughs> Rather, I'm inviting us to be real with ourselves, to have real reflection and be self-aware of our sinful nature. It is a mystery how internally we have this potential of great love and at the same time, destructive hate. For this reason, we need consistent deliverance and nourishment. Ever since the great fall of humanity with Adam and Eve, we need God. And so, you know, when God created you and me, he created us good. But ever since our sin, we have fallen short. Furthermore, God created us to be a people of God, not a person of God. You know, I have this friend, one of my best friends from high school, and, uh, and she's just funny, 
And every time, she really is hilarious, but every time she has a problem, she calls me, which is great. And I listen to her, and she has not given her life to Christ. But I listen to her, and of course, when she's in need, she has all these godly questions. And I pray with her. And last time we spoke, I told her, I said, you know, you need to find a church, because she lives in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. And I said, you need to find a church near you so that you can receive nourishment and guidance consistently. I'm all the way in North Carolina. And she said, she turned around and she goes, Rocio, but do I really need a church? Do I really need to be at a church? And I'm not going to tell you what I told her. But the answer is yes. Yes. We are a people of God, not a person of God. This morning when you and I came to this wonderful house of the Lord, it wasn't just you coming. It was the Holy Spirit waking you up as you slept saying, my son, my daughter, I love you. Come to my house. We are a people of God. So we need God as individuals and we need God as a church. Because we are sinful in nature. There's this internal war happening consistently within us. Between the flesh and our soul wanting to honor and follow Christ. And our flesh holding us back. This, the Apostle Paul knew this and left us this writing as wisdom and words of advice. And see, sin can be very subtle. Again, you may say, but Pastor Rocio, I'm not bombing mosques. I don't hurt anyone. I'm not a bad person. And that's all true. However, we need to be wise. See, sin is very subtle. I'm going to be vulnerable with you, and I'm going to share a personal story. There are times at night where I cannot sleep. I'm laying down in bed, but my mind is going 1,000 miles per hour. So I learned a trick that helps me become distracted and calm down and sleep. And I'm going to share it with you. I hope you do not think differently of me after I tell you. But it, it helps me think of maybe like a fantasy that makes it's not going to happen. So I, I don't stress and I fall asleep. And I'm going to tell you what it is. I don't even think my husband knows this. <laughs> I stand there. I lay there and I think, God, if I won the lottery. <laughs> Immediately, I relax, right? <laughs> and then it always starts off really wonderful and self-giving. And I think, God, I, I, would, I would sponsor shelters in Charlotte. God, I, I would sponsor our ministry in Kenya. I would give grants and scholarships to students in need, especially those that have made mistakes and need another opportunity. God, and I start thinking of all these self-giving things, right? And somehow or another, within that dream, I start remodeling my house. <laughs> and my house goes from my beautiful home being remodeled, and then it goes further, and it goes into this big, huge farmhouse with horses. And you see? You see how that happens? And if I am not self-aware... If I am not careful, 
and I allow that to go further, I'm going to fall into the sin of discontent. I'm going to fall into the sin of materialism. I will no longer see the virtue and beauty of my beautiful home because I will be too wary thinking of something else that I don't have. See, the enemy of God, that's how it is. The flesh, that's how it is. It's subtle. And so I depend on the Holy Spirit to be self-aware and be like, nope, nope. I praise God for what I have. And it is abundant and beautiful. And always share more and give glory to God. So that's how my sin can look. And it's very subtle. And maybe you have, I'm sure, unless Jesus walked into this sanctuary in flesh, all of us somehow have these sins that creep up in our lives. And the intention is to take us all the way. So Paul's advice to us is so crucial because we need God, I need God for my self-balance and goodness and focus on God. And then I need God for my children, my boys, so that they can be men, they can grow up to be young adults that love God and that although our flesh creeps up with us, that we be full in the spirit. We need God. The answer is yes. Romans 8, chapter, uh, verse 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Our need for God is critical. In this time of Lent, when we reflect, we need to discover, even just try to imagine. See, in reality, you and I have never lived this life without God because God through grace has always been with us. Scripture says that God makes a rain on the holy and the sinful. So it's, it's terrifying, the thought of living without God. But we need to do it so that we realize the value and the gift that it is. We are preparing ourselves for the greatest gift of humanity of all the universe, which is the life of the beautiful blood of Jesus Christ that redeems us. And it is through that redemption that we are able, although we are sinful in nature, to become reconciled with the holy divine, with God. It is only that way. As good as we may be as people, it cannot reconnect us with our creator. It is only through Jesus Christ we need God. Our children need God. Our youth need God. So that our life can go from good to great. Dr. Moore has shared with us of a book written by Kurt Reese, and it is called Good is the Enemy of Great. See, Jesus becoming flesh and walking amongst us and teaching us and giving himself for us 
as a sacrifice was so that we can go beyond good. So that we can go from good to great. And I'm not talking about great just in sports or in our profession or in school or in the things of this world. I'm talking about great in the fruits of the Spirit. Great in God's love. Great in God's wisdom. Great in God's joy. Great in God's kindness. That is our invitation that God has given us 2,000 years ago. That we become reconciled. So do we need God? Yes, we need God. Without God, we literally die. But thanks be to God, as Paul said, that our Lord God loves us so much that Jesus Christ came to redeem us and to become that air that we breathe so that we not suffocate, the flesh on our dry bones so that we can become alive and be his church. That is my prayer for us tonight. Church, let us pray. God, thank you because you are the air that we breathe. You are our Savior, our Redeemer, and we want to reconcile with you. Give us nourishment. Fill us, God. Guide our steps and forgive us our sins. Please, God, do not let us go, for we need you. We depend on you, God. And I pray for a blessing in each of our homes that your Holy Spirit take us from good to great. I pray for our church that your Holy Spirit take us from good to great in the fruits of your spirit, God. We surrender ourselves to you and we ask for forgiveness. We love you, God. And we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.